Are you part of the turmeric craze? Turmeric seems to be everywhere, in teas, juices, as a spice, in blogs and articles. What is it about turmeric, or curcumin, the anti-inflammatory property in turmeric, that makes this spice so powerful and important to us? We'll find out today. Turmeric, nature's golden answer to chronic disease. That's our topic in this hour of an organic conversation. Your show on everything that makes life worth living. I'm Helge Helberg. There are foods that suddenly become super hip, such as kale or coconut water or spirulina or avocados. And for good reasons, as these foods are so-called superfoods. That's a category of foods with exceptional nutritional value and benefits for our health. One of these foods recently added is a powerful root of the ginger family called turmeric. Its component, curcumin, has been hailed in nutritional circles for years, if not decades. But only recently has turmeric gained the public acknowledgement that it deserves as an incredibly powerful anti-inflammatory agent. Enough for us to dedicate a show to this spice and to discuss the most recent research and findings in this hour. Turmeric, nature's golden answer to chronic disease. All that and more in just a minute here on An Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Helberg, and this show is brought to you by Bowman College, a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Become a nutrition consultant or a natural chef at one of their campuses or learn from home in a self-paced mentored distance learning program. For more information on a degree in holistic nutrition or culinary arts, bowmancollege.org. And thank you also to Earl's Organic Produce, a national distributor of organic fruits and vegetables that has been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. From grocery store to company cafeteria to caterers and personal chefs, anyone can buy from Earl's Organic. Certified organic produce at earlsorganic.com. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. We're speaking about turmeric, nature's golden answer to chronic disease in this hour. 
And it is a superfood for very good reasons. We're looking at the newest research and findings. And on the phone with me now is Dr. Ajay Goel, the professor and director at the Center for Translational Genomics and Oncology at Baylor Scott and White Research Institute in Dallas, Texas. Dr. Goel, do we have you on the line? Yes, please. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm really excited. Yeah, so are we. It's interesting. I have a nutrition background. I'm a holistic nutritionist, and I know within nutrition circles, turmeric and the ginger family in general has always been celebrated for its, its health properties. But there is a change in public awareness around just how important and powerful turmeric is. And you are leading really the conversation with your research, backing that now up. Can you tell us first, what's your background? How did you get into this? What kind of medical training? Oncology is one of your specialties. What What are you currently working on? So I'm, I'm actually a PhD biologist. I'm a PhD scientist. Uh, I've been working on understanding gastrointestinal disease mostly, mm -hmm. so which would mean anything within the GI tract. And for the last 20 plus years, I've been working mostly on uh, gut cancers, which would be, you know, colon, pancreas, liver, gastric, so forth. So my research is heavily focused on disease prevention or mostly cancer prevention because that's what I work on. And there are a lot of my colleagues who, who spend a lot of time developing novel therapeutics, new drugs for cancer treatment, so forth. But I I believe in this philosophy that cancer prevention probably is a lot more important than uh, than uh, than treatment. Mm -hmm. So so that's where the whole conversation about turmeric and curcumin comes in, because if you look at the global disease incidence, and particularly in the context of cancer, if you look at every year CDC and other organizations put forth and the global cancer incidence across the globe, and there is a clear disparity in different parts of the world, people getting certain diseases but not others, and there are certain populations which get it a lot more and others are protected. And that was the whole genesis of my interest in cancer prevention because obviously as a human race, we know that we are all very similar. So that was always intriguing, very interesting to me that if we all are as human race, we are similar, mm -hmm. then why do some people are protected sure, while others get that. a lot of this? Yeah. So it simply boils down to diets and lifestyles. And I think that's where the prevention comes in. So people eating different kinds of foods, different lifestyles, that makes us all different, you know. So mm -hmm. that is where my research is focused on how lifestyle diets can influence disease and cancer burden uh, in today's uh, word. Yeah, so bef before we dive really into the world of your research on turmeric specifically, and the you already mentioned the property uh, curcumin in turmeric, that's like the comparison to vitamin C in an orange. Turmeric is the root, and curcumin is that powerful element in, in that root. You just you know touched on that, but you didn't really go into it. Most of your colleagues are looking at the treatment, drugs, that, that whole world. What made you yes. interested in studying the medicinal powers of plants? How did you grow up and, and why is that so much more important to you? Absolutely. So this is a very important question. Uh, I'll try to be brief. Uh, <laughs> so when we, talk, when we talk about chronic diseases, especially, you know, you're talking about cancer or you're talking Alzheimer's or Parkinson's, yes. diabetes. So most of these diseases, as you know, they do not happen overnight. It takes decades and in many instances more than a decade to develop. 
And I am a scientist. When we look at these diseases, when we scientifically review these patients, we know that mm-hmm. in our bodies, we have, you know, in each cell in our body, we have about 20,000 some genes which regulate the function of different processes. And in chronic illnesses, a lot of genes, a lot of pathways, a lot of things have gone wrong. So that's where the modern medicine fails. That's a big difference between modern medicine versus plant-based medicine. The reason is modern medicine works beautiful when you have a very selective single target or a single gene or a single pathway because any chemist can go back and develop a drug which goes and binds to that gene or that pathway and can give you relief what you're looking for. But now just imagine in a chronic illness where hundreds and hundreds of genes or hundreds of pathways are messed up, there's no way humanly possible to develop a drug which can go and fix everything. And that's where the power of botanicals come in because botanicals, they have been known for centuries in certain systems of medicine. We know that they don't have a single preferred genetic target. They can, they can influence so many different pathways at the same time. That's what makes them unique. That's what makes them important. That's what makes them safer. And that's why they work on so many different diseases rather than the concept we have grown up learning, one pill, one medicine for one illness. But when you look at these botanicals, they don't work on one setting. They work on so many variety of diseases because they're not trying to fix one gene. They're trying to fix you in a holistic fashion in in so many different genes and pathways. And that's what got me interested into this business. And in addition to that, you're saying there's a lifestyle within where we would need to ask, why are these genes expressing themselves as such, right? And we can't just say, well, you should move in, into an area that has cleaner drinking water. There is, we, we are so, if you really look at all the factors of lifestyle, it's a really complex life and people react to different environmental toxins, for example, or their diet so differently. So using nature, healthy nature back in to it is kind of a regrounding and refine-tuning of of our biological systems. Is that a fair? Absolutely, fair and absolutely. People somewhere. have done these. We call them migratory studies, uh-huh. where people move from one part of the world to the another part. Now it's the same body, it's the same people, it's the same everything. What changes when you move from one place to the other? The first thing you typically tend to do is you adopt local lifestyles and local diets because it's impossible to maintain those those diets and lifestyles which you. Which were which you had previously, and there are hundreds of such studies done. Then, when people move from one part of the world to the other, their risk for different diseases, especially in the context of cancer, become identical to where they moved within a single generation. So that's very profound. Wow. That how could the same person who was completely protected against that disease if they were in their original uh, Mm -hmm. environment, and as soon as they change that environment within one generation. Within 20 years, they will have the same risk for that disease what the native people in that part of the world are. So, so it's absolutely we adopt, a huge. Yeah. We adapt, and and this is and this is something we don't take it seriously. But that's what we have to start to rethink again. That it is not the genetics, you know, gene- it's not the genetics. It is essentially the epigenetics or or the behavior of your genes, which changes, and that changes because of the diets and lifestyles we adopt wherever we live. Amazing. You're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg, and our topic in this hour is turmeric, nature's golden answer to chronic disease. We are speaking with Dr. Ajay Gorel, the professor and director at the Center for Translational Genomics and Oncology 
at Baylor University Medical Center, Dallas, Texas. Are you Indian? Yes, yes, I am. So yes. my next question would be, we have these superfoods, right? We have spirulina and kale a couple of years ago, and maybe this year avocado. All of a sudden, we, we realize in, in the public eye, there are teas about it, and there's articles, and there's foods, and coconut water, whatever. There's always a kind of a food theme. Luckily, if you are in the natural food world, And, and eat in, and through natural food stores, you are uh, affected by, by healthy food trends um, much more than, than diets. But there are some healthy food trends. And it seems like this is the year, maybe it started early last year, of turmeric. And it's kind of funny because as a nutritionist, as I said in, in my intro, turmeric as part of the ginger root family has been celebrated for years and decades I can only imagine what the role of turmeric as one of the core spices in Indian culture. What's your relationship to turmeric? Have you grown up with it? Is this just so part of the Indian culture that you're surprised now to find the Western world waking up to it? Yes, absolutely. So I, so I grew up in India, and after my doctorate, I moved to the U.S. So I grew up there for a big part of my life, and I grew up, turmeric was a second nature to us because if you look at any Indian meal, yeah. uh, most Indian meals are yellow in color and that yellow color comes from curcumin. So curcumin is actually provides the yellow color to turmeric and turmeric is, like I said, every Indian meal is yellow in color and people grow up <laughs> eating that food three times a day so every meal is yellow. So, But they don't actually think much about it because they think it's just one of the spices they use in the food every day but they don't recognize how fortunate, how blessed they are mm. that they're using this wonderful spice just by accident, probably, because it's just been a traditional spice there. And it's not about curcumin alone or turmeric alone. Probably there are many others which they take. So if you look at a typical sure. Indian meal, you heat it up, you, you, you smell all the different flavors and aromas and all that. So these are, these are not just colorful, aromatic spices, but there's thousands of years of science Not not the modern size, but thousands of years of evidence showing that a lot of these herbs and spices had medicinal values. Mm -hmm. So what was intriguing to me when I finished my finished my doctorate, I was looking for the next phase of my life what I'm going to research. So I began to systematically dissect all the global incidents, and I was very interested in cancers. When I look at cancer, it was very puzzling to me that the overall cancer incidence in in a country like India is far lower than many of the developed Western countries. Mm -hmm. For instance, I work on colorectal cancers. So colon cancer is you know, very, very common disease in this part of the world. In US, we have one of the highest burden of colon cancers. And when you look at India, India has anywhere between 10 to 15 times lower colon cancer incidence. Wow. It's not 10 to 15 percent. We're talking 10-fold lower colon cancer. You talk about breast cancer, much lower. You talk about lung cancer, much lower. Look at Alzheimer's, almost non-existent in India, and we have a huge epidemic out here. So, so it was very confusing to me why so, because a person living in India, you know, they have their own sets of challenges. Uh, poverty is still a problem. Literacy is a problem. People can't breathe good, clean air. Uh, a lot of people living in the roadsides and mm. so forth. And yes. in spite of all of this, how could they be protected from so many different diseases while We in the U.S., we have probably one of the highest burden of virtually every disease in the planet. So this was very, very difficult for me to absorb because U.S. is 
you know, looked upon as one of the best places. You, you have one of the best healthcare systems. People are smart. You have the best infrastructure, so forth. Then how come people in this part of the world have so much cancer while people in India and even Africa, they have much lower? Yes, people in India die of other reasons. I mean, diabetes is a problem. Uh, cardiovascular disease is a problem, but they don't get cancers. So when I begin to dissect, I narrow down that some of the things probably these people are doing there is their foods which makes them different. And, and one of the things which stuck out to me was turmeric or curcumin because this goes back to old Ayurvedic principles of medicine. And, and turmeric is one of the key Ayurvedic uh, spice out there, which has thousands of years of history. So that got me interested about 20-some years ago. And for the last 20 years, I've been researching this along with a lot of my colleagues in the U.S. and other parts of the world. So fascinating. It's almost, uh, I'm getting goosebumps, because when I studied, the China study was a big deal, right, where uh-huh. a doctor went and looked at the teeth health of, of people and then brought it back to diet. You are now doing exactly that on cancer, and it's so overdue. I, I can't believe that first we, we have you on the show and that you have dedicated your focus on that, and that's what absolutely. you're finding. Absolutely. And absolutely, like I said, I mean, uh, if you look at Chinese traditional system of medicine and Indian Ayurvedic system of medicine, these are the two oldest medicinal systems out there. And if you look at turmeric, it, it is deep embedded into both of these medicinal systems. So we knew for thousands of years people have been using them. I grew up with turmeric. You know, it was a not only just a spice, but it was a household remedy. You get a cut, you get a bruise, you get a bump. All you do is you take a little bit of turmeric powder, you mix it with some sort of oil or lotion, you rub it over the wound, and you see how magically it disappears. You know, it heals so fast. So it, it's a, it's probably, to the best of my knowledge, it's one of the most potent naturally occurring anti-inflammatory. It is a very potent antioxidant. It's a very potent antimicrobial. Now, with the tons of evidence that it is a very p- powerful anti-cancer and so forth. So it is such a wonderful product. It is such a wonderful spice. And I even go as far as saying, because people reach out to me saying, do you know if there is any scientific evidence for curcumin with XYZ disease, as rare as it might be? And I, I don't even hesitate to say that I've actually yet to see Well, it doesn't work, for, yes. <laughs> I have yet to see a disease for which curcumin has not been studied and where it does not work. And we want to dive into that right after the break. We're going to take a quick break, but we want to learn what is it about the ginger family? What is it about curcumin or turmeric? Are there any contraindications that you've ever seen? But all that in just a minute here on An Organic Conversation, we're speaking with Dr. Ajay Goel, the professor and director at the Center for Translation and Genomics, Baylor University Medical Center, Dallas, Texas, in this hour of turmeric, nature's golden answer to chronic disease and so many more diseases as we are learning right now. I'm Helga Helberg, and we'll be right back with more. Stay tuned. This show is brought to you by Equal Exchange. Equal Exchange has been creating big change for small farmers for over 30 years by offering certified organic and fair trade coffee, tea, chocolate, bananas, and avocados. More on Equal Exchange at equalexchange.coop. That's equalexchange.coop. And by Utterly, offering beautiful and fun clothing for boys and girls that is made entirely from the unused fabric of prominent apparel manufacturers. Utterly 
making sustainability fashionable and fashion sustainable. For more information, utterly.co. That's U-T-T-E-R-L-Y dot C-O. And Fry Vineyards, America's first organic winery. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Award-winning wines at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E dot com. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg, and our topic is turmeric, nature's golden answer to chronic disease. And we're speaking with Dr. Ajay Goel, the professor and director at the Center for Translational Genomics and Oncology, Baylor University Medical Center, Dallas, Texas. Before the break, we were talking about the ginger family, and you have not yet come across a disease where turmeric or its property curcumin would not be applicable or helpful. What is it about the ginger family that makes the plant so potent when it comes to addressing disease? Absolutely. So I think what makes it so unique in working in so many uh, different diseases is just the simple fact that we are learning and we have learned over the last several decades that a lot of chronic disease, the underlying theme in many of these diseases is chronic inflammation. So we're not talking about acute inflammation, which we get once in a while. If you fall down or something, we bruise, we get hurt, and we see a redness or swelling. So that's acute inflammation, which is easy to fix. You can you, you can take you know, a quick non-steroidal, you take a few pills, and you're good to go. But what we're talking about is chronic inflammation, which is which is very low levels of chronic inflammation. They continue to persist in our bodies, in our cells, and they're completely asymptomatic. So we have no symptoms for that. And when this kind of chronic inflammation goes on for months and years and decades, this can lead to a lot of issues, including many chronic diseases. And that's where curcumin fits in because it's one of the most potent naturally occurring anti-inflammatory. So if you're using a turmeric-based diet, or if you're taking curcumin supplements, you really are helping yourself in combating and reducing that chronic inflammation within your cells. And if you do that, you're gonna, you can potentially prevent and avoid, and even in some cases, treat a lot of disease. And I think that's, that's a unifying theme. It is a very potent anti-inflammatory. It's a very potent antioxidant. What that means is you won't have super radicals or free radicals floating around in the cells. So it's a very, very potent anti-inflammatory, antioxidant. And if you can control these two behaviors within our cells, within our genes, you, you, can, you can treat a lot of disease. We had shows on, on chronic disease or even inflammatory diseases in the past. What's your take of where inflammation, chronic, underlying, almost non-expressive inflammation comes from? Is that, again, is that lifestyle? Is that anger? Is that diet? What, what makes us constantly in heat or inflamed? All of the factors you just mentioned. It's a diet, the stress, it's the things we do, the processed foods, the air we breathe, the things we don't do, we don't exercise enough, metabolic byproducts, you name it. So I don't think there is one hmm. trigger 
for chronic inflammation, and we can we can think of many more, but definitely diets, lifestyles, the processed food, the lack of mobility, lack of exercise, the lifestyles we are living these days, all of these, in, in addition to that, of course, the stresses of day-to-day life, they all make it a challenge for uh, getting inflammation. And that's where if you're using something which is so natural, which is so safe, which you don't even think about, something like turmeric or curcumin, it can help you on a regular basis, on a daily basis, and we don't have to worry about some of the chronic inflammation going on in our bodies for years and years. Interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing this now as almost like if you don't live a lifestyle in perfect balance, which most of us don't do, but if you had perfect balance, you most likely would not experience ongoing chronic inflammation. And the, the more you are out of balance, uh, at one point, your body will not be able to autocorrect or self-correct with ongoingly poor diet in, in your life anyway. So you're kind of missing the building blocks of creating that balance. And that's how you end up with chronic inflammation, which then you're saying is systemic, right? I mean, it goes through the entire body and changes all other kinds of processes in the body. And you can't address that with just a pill. It's a it's sure. a lifestyle change and diet, and in this case, uh, turmeric and curcumin, one of the building blocks to restore balance. Is that a good summary? I, I think that, that was perfectly done, yes. Have you ever seen a contraindication or because it is a plant-based, there's actually nothing to worry about? So I think that's a very difficult question to answer from a scientific perspective. Yes. So for me to say that, yes, there are no studies with every every modern drug we have out there, that's going to take decades to do those studies, yeah. and those will be impossible. But at the same time, for the most part, there, there's a lot of, lot of drugs uh, have been tested uh, along with curcumin, uh, or turmeric, and for the most part, really, there are no contraindications at all. And there's one class of drugs which where one must exercise extra caution, which would be blood thinners, you know, blood thinners such as warfarin. So if you're taking blood thinners, that does not mean you cannot take a curcumin or turmeric. In those cases, one must exercise extra caution. And anyway, whenever you are taking any other drugs, I think it's a general good sure. practice to, to yes. consult your doctor, consult your physician before you do anything. So I highly recommend that. But from a scientific perspective, really, there's no serious or no studies showing that one should be careful when using curcumin. And at the same time, like you said before, since it is plant-based, it is food-based, there are you know, good 1.3 billion people living in India who are using turmeric every single day, <laughs> and they are on different kind of medications throughout their life, and nobody has experienced any fatal side effects. So it's yeah. very, very safe compound because it is food-based. When you say work with a Western doctor, you can only hope that they have the nutritional background to really know or That's take the true. time to study that. It's kind of nutrition is entering the Western medical field clearly, but maybe not to the degree of a single plant-based element. That is true. Element. That is true. So that a challenge. Do your own research there a little bit. Do maybe. your own research yeah. and, and make sure that, that you're very comfortable and make the best decision you can. What have you found of curcumin, the substance in turmeric, just as we said, vitamin C in a kiwi, what does curcumin do in a body when it when it enters? We can talk on this topic all day long because it does <laughs> okay, not do let's... one thing. So so that's the thing. So it has, it has so many different 
I mean, I've spent the last 20-some years, we're trying to understand the mechanisms of yes. curcumin's uh, function. And what we have shown is that, you know, it reduces inflammation. That's one. Uh, I work mostly in cancer. And what, I've, what we have shown is that it is probably one of the most potent cancer preventatives. How does it and do believe, that, though? Like, what is it about curcumin that can do that, that, that reduces inflammation the moment you ingest it? How does it do it? Yes. So it, it, one, of, one of its favorite targets within the cells is something we have, we have known for a long time called NF-kappa-B. So it's like the master regulator of inflammation. And as soon as we ingest curcumin, there are a lot of studies shown that inhibits or slows down the activation of NF-kappa-B. So NF-kappa-B, if, if, if you keep it low, you can have very low levels of chronic inflammation or none whatsoever. So I think one of the favorite targets of mm. curcumin is reducing NF-kappa-B levels. And once you do that, many of the other 100 genes which induce inflammation will slow down. Uh-huh. And also, my research, have, we have shown that it is a very potent epigenetic regulator in, in the context of cancer. So what that means is there are a lot of genes which control in, in cancer, especially in the context of cancer. Cancer is really nothing but a abnormal growth of normal cells. So every normal cell in our body comes with a built-in time clock. You know, Every normal cell dies after a certain number of days and a new cell replaces it. But just imagine if that clock fails then the cell does not get a signal to die, and the new cells keep piling up. And when you have a large mass of cells, that is essentially cancer. So, And this process is controlled by a group of genes called tumor suppressor genes, which means their job is to suppress the growth of cells. And we have shown for the first time that these genes become inactive. And as soon as you give them curcumin, as soon as you give cancer cells curcumin, within a few hours, within a few hours, these genes become overactive again, and they can begin to kill cells. So we have done a lot of these studies showing how curcumin works in cancer. We have also done studies where we have given patients who are taking chemotherapy, when you give them curcumin along with how it helps reduce the toxicity of chemotherapy and makes it chemotherapy look much better. So there's so many different ways it works, both in a prevention setting as well as treatment setting. That's amazing. Within hours, you're saying. I mean, it is yes. a food, right? The moment it's yes. metabolized or digested, it, it goes to work in a way. But to, to see the effect in research literally within hours to, to change the genetic markers or the expression uh, or the functions, that's amazing. Have you seen a difference if people now, for our listeners, I would say that most are interested in integrating curcumin or or turmeric into their diets rather than perhaps a supplement. What's the medicinal difference if you ingest it or if you take supplements or any other form of taking it? And does cooking, for example, seem to alter its medicinal powers? So I think that's a very important question. So, So the first question being, should people consider eating food which is rich in turmeric, or should they consider taking curcumin supplements? So the answer is, actually, there's no right or wrong answer. The right answer is, the ideal answer is, yes, one should consume as much turmeric-laden food if possible. However, I feel that in the Western countries, it is not practical. All the people may like Indian food, but it is not easy to change your diet completely that you're eating turmeric-rich food every single day, every single meal. And the reason I say that is that the curcumin content in turmeric is very, very small. So what that means is anywhere between 2 to 4% of turmeric is curcumin. So if you intend to use 
could come in a turmeric for any health benefit. You got to eat enough turmeric, just like a typical Indian person would do, three meals a day for pretty much all their life. So what that means is you have always some level of residual curcumin in your bloodstream, so you're fine. However, a person living in this part of the world, they cannot completely eat turmeric three times a day for the rest of their life. So I think in that case, the practical option is to take a curcumin supplement. You just These supplements are available in most health food stores. You just get one of those supplements and, and you take in one pill, and there's the, the dose of curcumin is high enough to give you some therapeutic benefit. And then in vitamin C, we now have learned that, you know, there are several hundred, if not thousands of bioflavonoids that aid in the absorption and digestion um, of vitamin C. I'm always a little worried that taking something out, such as curcumin out of turmeric mm -hmm. as a supplement may change the way we absorb it, we metabolize it. Have you done any research if that yeah. changes? So, so that's that's a very important question. So, my my personal preference would be to go in a holistic fashion where people are using turmeric, but at the same time, you have to see the practical challenges sure. of not being able to use turmeric on a daily basis. And and you're that's correct. So, turmeric is not all about curcumin. So, there are many other curcuminoids. So, it's a family of. Curcumin has several other siblings, so when you take turmeric, so they all are functional together. However, having said that, there's a lot of research been done on curcumin alone because it is the principal curcuminoid present in turmeric. So about 70 to 80% of curcuminoids in turmeric is curcumin. So mm -hmm. yes, you miss out on about 20% of them if you only ingest curcumin. However, there are other things in turmeric which are very important, which is essential oils present in turmeric. So so that's absolutely important. And my research have shown that you can take any garden variety curcumin, which will still do fine. However, if you take a good quality, high quality curcumin extract, which is loaded with essential oils, which are naturally present in turmeric, it helps enhance the absorption of curcumin into your bloodstream. So, so my research has been on a unique curcumin extract called BCM95, and we have shown that when you use BCM95 to reduce inflammation compared to a regular curcumin, BCM95 curcumin works better because presence of essential oils help allow enhancing the absorption of curcumin compared to standard curcumin. And that BCA95, is that available commercially? Can you get cu um, curcumin extract or turmeric yes. extract? In so the BCM95 curcumin BC, yeah. uh, products uh, are available online. Uh, there are many different vendors sell these products. So yes, these can be mm -hmm. found uh, in health food stores. There are several companies who, who make BCM95 Uh, curcumin-containing uh, supplements. And you talked about the appropriate amount, and uh, I don't think you have to eat Indian food every day in order to, to integrate turmeric into one's diet. I'm, I'm now using it for almost every meal, and it's not always Indian food that I'm cooking, meaning, you know, if I make yes. a, a, a pan fry with mushrooms, I just spice them with curry and turmeric. So it has become my go-to that I include in, almost, in, in every warm meal and even in some salads. I just use some, you know, nutritional yeast and then add some turmeric. It's yummy. It has Absolutely. a really, I'm, I'm so used to this now that I miss that flavor if it's not there. So, yeah. you know, just including turmeric even in a Western diet is absolutely possible. 
Absolutely. That, and I see more and more people using it on their eggs and salads and exactly. many other dishes. Yeah. And one of the most traditional ways of using turmeric back in India was if you have any kind of you know stomach issues or other issues, you take a glassful of milk and you stir in a spoonful of turmeric and you gulp it down and you feel better right away. So, <laughs> so that concept is now actually taking fashion in the Western countries, including U.S., and more and more people. I didn't realize growing up I was drinking it all the time, and I never realized that now there is the official name I learned people refer to as golden milk. So actually now mm. in many of these nice. coffee shops, even I understand that some part of the country, even Starbucks is giving it a try to sell turmeric lattes. So it's becoming such an important, uh, people have begun to recognize the, the power of turmeric that it is becoming almost, it has adapted itself to many different other ways of being consumed other than a tr- typical traditional Indian meal. So yes, you can use it in salads, you can drink golden milk, you can take supplements, you can put on salads. So there's so many different ways to consume it. Nice, yes. And we talked about superfoods in the beginning. Um, I know this Indian milkshake, which is milk and avocado and then some turmeric powder. And it's the simplest shake and it's completely satisfying for hours if you mix that all together. We're almost out of time, but I do want to talk about the appropriate amount. You say three times a day, if it's really ongoingly part of your lifestyle or your diet, there might be enough, otherwise some supplements. What have you found is a fair amount to incorporate curcumin into one's diet? And you're saying on a daily basis, ideally, if not at least you know a couple times a yes. week. But, but what would that be for an adult, for, an, for so, a normal so the adult? Short, so the short answer is since it's a food-based, it's very, very hard to quantify exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly yes. what specific dose one should take. But based on an analogy of a typical Indian meal, uh, that uh, people use turmeric for cooking, but the equivalent amount of curcumin in each typical Indian meal is about anywhere between 100 to 125 milligrams. So if you consume three meals a day, so my, my suggestion is that a dose of anywhere between 250 to 500 milligrams curcumin supplement a day is plenty enough for normal, healthy people who are just using it as a supplement. But if you are trying to use it for any disease indication, therapeutic purpose, then you can easily use up to a gram or two grams split evenly over your day. And because there have been clinical studies done looking at the toxicity of this, so in these studies, people investigated up to 12 grams of curcumin, uh, and virtually there was no toxicity. So that's not to suggest that people should start taking 12 grams, but I think for the most part, for most healthy individuals, anywhere between 250 to 500 milligrams. And for any therapeutic use, somewhere between 1 to 2 grams uh, over the day is plenty enough. And that's curcumin. So you're saying curcumin is only a few percent of turmeric. That's correct. What, that's correct. what amount of turmeric would that equal to then? Uh, so that, that's a difficult one. So, so I said only 2 to 4 percent of uh, turmeric is curcumin. Yes. So, so if I'm saying 500 milligrams a day curcumin, so the equivalent dose of turmeric would be several hundred grams of turmeric, which makes it almost impractical, yeah. impractical to use. That's why I'm recommending that people, especially those who don't eat turmeric-laden food every single day, I think it is good for them to consider taking a simple single pill, anywhere between 250 to 500 milligrams curcumin, rather than, yes, while you're taking that, 
there's nobody stopping you from enriching it further by using turmeric wherever and whenever possible in your food. But I think a good mm-hmm. supplement, good quality supplement, is a much more practical solution. Yeah, or a mix thereof, so to even aid the absorption perhaps further. True. Beautiful. That's Dr. Ajay Goel, the professor and director at the Center for Translational Genomics and Oncology, Baylor University Medical Center, Dallas, Texas, who joined us today in this hour on an organic conversation on the topic of turmeric, nature's golden answer to chronic disease. Dr. Grill, so wonderful to speak with you. Totally enchanting, and your passion for it is clear, and I'm stunned by the research. Honestly, we have great topics every week, and this is one of those episodes where I'm going to make an extra effort now and have turmeric literally every day for the rest of my life in my diet, thank, and that's because of you. So you. Yeah, thank you <laughs> thank very you much. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Great really work, and we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. And Dr. Goel's website is Baylor Health, B-A-Y-L-O-R, health, baylorhealth.edu. That's the Baylor University Medical Center again, out of Dallas, Texas, BaylorHealth.edu. Amazing research, amazing work, and turmeric, one of those powerful antioxidants, one of those superfoods, and now we know why. We are staying with the topic of superfoods, or foods in general, organic foods, fruits and vegetables. Here's the consumer update from the produce doc, what to buy, what to look for, how to shop, how to store it, how to eat it. Here is what's in season. Wow, that's a pretty mean banjo. And with me now is Earl Herrick of Earl's Organic Produce. That's earlsorganic.com. Of course, the premier produce deliverer wholesale business in and throughout the Western Hemisphere, I'd say, uh, or the Western United States, rather. <laughs> um, yes. Earl, are you there? I am. Great, great intro. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm, I'm somewhere. <laughs> uh, my own mind, maybe. The Western um, Hemisphere is, um, I, I talked with Rodrigo last week about apples, and uh, we were talking yeah. about the Western Hemisphere, but storage apple and non-apple. And uh, I have a, a similar story for you of one of my observations mm. in the natural food store. I was walking into Good Earth in Mill Valley. Yeah. It's one of the premier natural food stores, all organic produce segment. And yeah. I came across these tiny avocados. And I think almost no produce item has been more covered between you and I this year <laughs> than avocados because the demand is crazy. The supply is limited. Pricing, whether it was the Mexican until March or April, and now it's the local domestic crop, California crop. Prices are through the roof. Uh, demand is still high. It's an it's a superfood. People are really waking up to avocado way beyond guacamole now. Yeah. So at the store, I saw a pound price of I think four forty nine or four ninety nine per pound, and then they had these tiny ones. They were roughly the size of a goose egg, a little bit bigger than a chicken egg, but really small avocados for two ninety nine, two dollars yeah. per pound less. It was Haas avocado, delicious. I thought maybe the quality is not quite as good because they're smaller. They don't stay as long on the tree. But I brought them home and as nutty, uh, maybe better, as buttery, as beautiful. What's going on? You always say small produce, but that's a, that's half the price almost. 
mostly people feel big is better, whether it's a big apple, a big orange, grapefruit, melon, and avocado. So the small runts, if you will, the people feel it's hard to sell, let's drop the price. But I'll tell you, you, you nailed it in terms of there's nothing wrong with that product, and you get half the price. That happens in almost every class, every item across the board. Right now we're experiencing it with avocados because of the reason you've mentioned. The thing to do is we're seeing high prices this winter, now the spring, and in the summer. There's still high pricing all over the place, um, especially out here on the West Coast. The cost of everything is, mm-hmm. is up. So how do you combat that? And, and right there, you did precisely what I highly recommend. And, and it's true not only with avocados, but I wrote down a couple things here. Apples, oranges, grapefruits, melons, all the stone fruit. You're going to get an offering, if you're a good retailer, of these smaller pieces of fruit that are just as good as bigger, and they're going to be probably half the price. So I have a question to that. And one is, when we talk about cosmetically challenged produce, I would think that snappies that have some wind damage or whatever you may find, there was mm-hmm. they were beautiful, these avocados. There was nothing yeah. wrong with them other than they were half the size. You're yeah. saying that the sizing alone, we buy so much with our visual selection that that is enough reason to offer them for, for nearly or a little more than half the price? Yes, it is. And for example, we're, we sell a lot of bananas here. And sometimes we get cases with smaller bananas, and they're cheaper. And that's just, and all they are is they come off a different part of the tree, and they're smaller. Thus, they're considered not a premium piece of fruit, not unlike a stone fruit that hangs from a tree, and during its growth, it rubs against a twig, which creates a little mark as it grows. But the fact is there's nothing wrong with it. When you're picking grapefruit off a tree, you're going to have big fruit and small fruit. The smaller fruit's going to be cheaper. Yeah, the question then to quality, right? Is So when yeah. I brought these home, they were really as dense and nutty. If anything, I, I yeah. felt they were maybe more delicious. Uh, definitely not in anywhere less delicious. Because smaller fruit has less time on the tree, did, do you find yep. in your experience that the quality is actually equal or do they have a little bit less flavor, usually speaking, or because of less ripening time? What's the deal with with size and ripening? That's a very good question. At certain times, the smaller one could be inferior because they could be the very Mm -hmm. last ones of the crop that are left over, kind of the quote-unquote runts. Uh In other words, if you're going through an orchard and you're doing many pickings, your last picking, you're just going to go through and and strip what they call strip picking. Whatever is there, right? Yeah, and those those can be of less quality. So you you want to look at the smaller product, first of all, Try to get it right in the middle of the season so that there's an abundance at the edges of the season, what we call the, the shoulders of the season. Perhaps the quality is going to be a little less, but right in the middle of the season, smaller fruit are going to be just as high quality. Avocados, I think it's always that way. Citrus, it's always good no matter what the size. Grapes, the same thing. There's certainly, in the past, I bought grapes that the, um, the grape grower felt it was inferior because he couldn't sell them because nobody wanted the smaller grapes. Again, if you're going through the vineyard, there's just certain sure. bunches yeah. that don't have nature, large. right? Of course, yeah. yeah. And and so you want to create that relationship again with your produce person. That hey, I'm interested in that. Can you get me any? He said, well, as a matter of fact, I have some that 
we didn't feel they were quite as good. I have them over here. That that's very frequent. In addition to that, every day the produce people go through their display and they cull off, they take away uh, pieces off their off the display that they deem are a little inferior. Where where they may have had a little shrivel here, or there's a, on a bell pepper the stem that's on the end of the bell pepper maybe sure. it withered a little bit because it's a day old. There's nothing wrong with that product. A good produce person will take that off the shelf, put that in another area, which then they have certain customers that they know that that's, that's available. Yeah, for. so that was that was the question. That's what they put out. And uh, I personally, for me, as a single household, I love that. I love that they ah, were smaller yeah. because a, a good size or even a big avocado, even a Haas, but if you get into other varieties, they're the, the bacons, and I can't eat an entire avocado. It's like, that's yeah. a full meal. That's a pound of avocado or so, or three quarters, and it's just simply too much. So I yep. eat half, I put it in the fridge, I leave the pit in, and yet the area where I cut it is, of course, dried up. So I lose a little bit of, of product sure. there the next That's day right. or the next couple of days. These were perfectly, and I thought, wow, I don't know how big the pit might be. The pit was pretty tiny, actually. Yeah. So in a yeah. way, it was the same ratio of pit to meat, and it was perfect for one person. So I got yeah. this incredible deal, same quality, amazing taste, and I, I could eat one a day and that was it. So the question is, where? how do I get access to that? Would you talk to a produce yep. uh, buyer and say, hey, I love smaller produce. Um, do you have something in the back that you can offer me as a deal? Would you actually not just accept the, the displays in the store, but talk to them and say, if you have things you called, I'm happy to buy them? Or is that awkward? Well, it's only awkward if, if you feel that way. And <laughs> some people put that, that upon themselves. But, but really, it is about when I was working retail, every morning I would go through, and bell peppers was one of those things, that I would always create a bag, several bags of bell peppers that I took off the shelf because they started to wither just the very smallest amount. And I would, I would offer them less than half price. There's nothing wrong with them, especially if you're going to eat them that day or the next day. So, yes, one thing is, Find a time of day. Some people do it. They call in the morning, so the product's right there. Mm-hmm. Again, it's about that relationship with the, with the with your produce people and letting them know that hey, this is what I can use. If you have any of that, I'm your guy. Or I love it. It's like seeing the retail store as a farmer's market, right? That's what you do. Well, you it, pick what you want and say, "Come on, make a better price." I take all the stuff that has slight ding or you know whatever. And that, that's also true at farm, farmers markets. Also, you go there and you go, "Hey, by the way, do you have anything you've taken off, or do you have a case of number two? Yeah. As a matter of fact, you can ask. See, if you get together with some friends, you talk to that grower and say, "Hey, next week when you're here, I, uh, a bunch of us want to buy a, a number two case of peaches from you." Yeah. And bingo, big savings. And then you, you make know, jam, them. right, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, so often, often we cook the food anyway, so a second later yeah. it's cut up. Who cares what it? Well, that's what many restaurants, they do that. (laughs) They want their number twos because they're just going to cut it up and cook it anyway. What I love about it is that we don't perceive our life or our environment in which we live as static, as what it is, right? Whatever the store might offer you. At a farmer's market, maybe we feel more freedom to do that. But now we are actually saying, don't take things as they are. You can walk into a store and say, if you just some produce this morning, 
that's what I want to buy. I just want to make chicken stock or cook it anyway. I don't want to spend four ninety nine. Do you? Can you offer me something better? You can actually do that, and wow, yeah. the savings! <laughs> yeah, it's, that's amazing. Just don't so, don't well, pay yeah. what what they say you should pay. Yeah. Just talk with them. Yeah. That's a, and then they, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. You know, don't great. believe everything you think, right? Yeah, well, same, exactly. Same sort of or don't believe anything you see. I mean, it's really we're yeah. completely allowing people to create their own reality. Just talk to them and. And whether it's in, on display or not, know that that always happens, that they go through stuff all the time. And it goes beyond the produce department. You know, talk to your butcher or whoever. And uh, Well, you, you, you allow us to do that, to not just expand your relationship, but to expand our horizon. That's the power of the yeah. organic movement, really. It's, really Absolutely. Like, it's just yeah. amazing, beautiful. Yeah, Thank re- you, re- Earl. Um, yeah, actually, think what we're doing. Yeah, Amen. I, I, I want to have you back in the studio soon. Um, uh, that'll be, that'll be, you know, I love driving up there, especially when it's so damn warm. Yeah, it's and it's... <laughs> And I know, but it's it's like summertime. Things are hitting, and I think these these segments are so important for people to to be empowered to save money. You don't have to. When yeah. people say, "Well, organic is twice as much on the shelf," well, there's a big story around it, not just why, but what you can do to avoid that. And here we are in June. Uh, this you know, farmers markets are, are yeah. active now. Out of there, go, yeah. World. Go have fun. Totally. Support that. Talk to a grower. Beautiful. Right, awesome. Man. We'll have you back next week. Thank you so much. Have a good great good work. Same yep. here. Take care. Bye. Yep. Wow. Beautiful hour on the topic of food. An organic conversation started years ago, focusing on healthy food in our diet and has since expanded into lifestyle overall. But today was all about foods again and just how important really the foundation of life and health good diet is for all of us. Turmeric, nature's golden answer to chronic disease and the update from the produce dog what's in season and that wraps up this hour of an organic conversation. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Helge Helberg and we'll be back with another episode next week. And that was this week's edition of an organic conversation. Thank you so much for listening. If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to anorganicconversation.com or subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, find us on Facebook and Instagram. I'm Helge Helberg, and we'll be back with another great episode right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then. Thank you.